for tapes of end-time meetings, deliverance services, or Lake Hamilton Bible Campgrounds publication, Voices from His Excellent Glory, Declaring the Kingdom, writes Post Office Box 21516, Hot Springs National Park, Arkansas, zip 71903. Our website is www.lakehamiltonbiblecamp.com and lhbconline.com. There are many free audio files there. It's like going to Bible school at home. This is one of the series of the December 25th to New Year's Eve Lake Allen Bible Campgrounds Family Camp Meeting being held at Hot Springs, Arkansas. Norman Parish of Guatemala, missionary there for over 40 years, is the speaker. Praise the Lord. We have some uh, pamphlets and some brochures that my son will be laying out on that back table. And if you want some information about our work, just... Pick a copy of each one of them. One describes our work in Mexico. The other one describes our work in uh, El Salvador. The other one describes our work in Guatemala. So you take one and just read it and use it as material for prayer. We need your prayers now more than ever before. Because um, most of you already know that Central America is one of the trouble spots in the world today. Guatemala, Salvador are going through times of tremendous turmoil. Uh, the leftist, uh, pro-communist guerrillas and terrorists are making an all-out effort to take Central America over. Now, tonight, there's so much we could talk about. This is uh, according to the little magazine or brochure that the Millers published. Uh, we we're going to have some deliverance teaching and deliverance ministry during these days. And uh, I really, I was, I've been debating all afternoon what to talk about. There's so much to talk about. This is a subject that you can never exhaust. Did you know that? As uh, time goes by, you discover more and more and more and more. You never run out of, of uh, scriptural passages and, and daily experiences to illustrate this ministry, the ministry of deliverance. How many believe that deliverance is important? I believe most Christians today, even fundamental Christians, even... Pentecostal Christians don't realize how important deliverance really is. There are some people that have uh, have kind of set deliverance off to one side. It's distasteful to them. The deliverance ministry has been abused. The deliverance ministry has been misconstrued. And that's why many people have uh, come to the place, even Bible-believing Christians and Bible-believing teachers have come to a place where they've, excuse this expression, they've chucked it. They've totally and flatly rejected deliverance ministry without realizing how important deliverance really is. Amen? Now, tonight I would like to share with you some of the reasons why I believe that deliverance is important. And I trust and pray that this will help you come to the a sane biblical position in relationship to the deliverance ministry. You know, the, the devil has um, is so astute, he's so cunning, that he tries to the best of his ability of his ability to keep you from entering this ministry. But if he can't keep you from entering, he'll then give you a little shove and try to get you off on a tangent. And he'll try to get you to the place where you go into an extremist position that will render render you impotent and ineffective in a ministry that is, is so valid and is so necessary in the body of Jesus Christ. Amen? Vance Havner was a great Baptist evangelist, and I remember reading way back in my Bible school days a book, one of his many books, where he said, if the devil can't keep you from climbing the tree, he will see to it that you get up on one of the limbs, one of the branches. And that's what's happened many times in the deliverance ministries. We find the, the, uh, the Church of Jesus Christ polarized. Most of the present day believers and ministers reject the deliverance ministry. They believe it's uh, erroneous. Uh, they believe it's heretical. Heret heretical? Is that it? Heretical. Is that fine? Thank you. <laughs> uh, the other, on the other end of the theological spectrum, you'll find those that accept the deliverance ministry but have probably gone to excesses, gone to extremes. And let me tell you, brethren, uh, that's dangerous too. And we have to try to keep our uh, keep a balance. We have to try to uh, assume a very sane and safe position when it comes to deliverance. 
Because, brethren, uh, there's nothing will turn uh, people off more than a fanatic. Amen? And I've seen a lot of people in the deliverance movement that are they become fanatics. All they talk about is demons. They see demons under every, under every rock and behind every tree. And even things that could be very innocent can become to them demonic. They, be, they become obsessed with the idea. And, and, and they turn people off. People just don't want to even see them. People just don't want to even talk with them anymore. Because they've got these uh, funny or strange interpretations about deliverance. So we need... One of the things I've tried to do through the years, and I've been in the deliverance ministry since 1963. That's a little over 18 years. One of the things I've always tried to do is to establish my deliverance ministry on the Word of God. Not on experience. Now, experience can illustrate what is found here in the Word of God. Can confirm what is found here in the Word of God. Can clarify what is found here in the Word of God. But the basis for the deliverance ministry, as for any other ministry, must be what? The Word of God. And if you would come across some of my tapes of, of some of the messages I preached uh, in Chicago or Houston or New York or in some of the churches that I've been invited to, you will find that my ministry is biblical. It has biblical content. In fact, I'm very hesitant to talk about my experiences. And I, knew, and I know it's, it's important to talk about experience because the experiences make the, help the the message to be so much more uh, plain and so much more interesting. Interesting, but if uh, if you what you have to say it cannot be proven with the Word of God, uh, you better shun it. You better be very careful how you go around spouting it, because Christians, Bible-believing Christians, are not going to accept anything unless you can confirm it or prove it by what by the Word of God. So tonight, let's, let's talk about the importance of the deliverance ministry. And one of the, I'm going to give you several reasons why I think the deliverance ministry is important. The first one is because through the deliverance ministry, the kingdom of God is manifested in our midst. Through the deliverance ministry, the kingdom of God is manifested in our midst. We many times repeat what is known in Christian circles as the Lord's Prayer. Our Father which art in heaven... Hallowed be thy name. And there's a request there. There's a petition there that says, Thy kingdom, what? Come. That has been the desire, the yearning of Christians down through the ages to see the kingdom of God manifested where? On earth. Naturally, uh, most Christians, when they pray that, that prayer, when they repeat it, uh, they're thinking about a future kingdom, a messianic kingdom. Uh, they're thinking about the millennium. They're thinking about... The, the, the kingdom of God manifested in visible form on earth. But I, although I'm not going to argue about it, I'm not going to contradict those that believe that this prayer does talk about the kingdom, the future kingdom. Yet I believe, brethren, that we would be mistaken if we do not apply this prayer to our present day circumstances. We can See the kingdom of God manifested now and here. Amen? And I believe that should be our desire. Because uh, most of what goes under the name of religion, even Christian religion, is uh, an abomination in the sight of God. And we should desire with all our hearts to see the reality. The reality of what? Of God's presence, and of God's power, of God's glory manifested in our midst. That's the kingdom. Amen? Now let's open to Matthew tw chapter 12, verse 28. But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then what? <laughs> the kingdom of God is come, is come unto you. Amen? Notice the tense, the, the verb tense. The kingdom of God is come. doesn't say it shall come or could come. Way off in the distant future, in an uncertain future, it says the kingdom of God is come unto you. When is the kingdom of God manifested in our midst? When someone, by the Spirit, with the anointing of the Spirit upon his life and upon his ministry, is willing, able, ready to what? To cast out devils in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The deliverance ministry, let's put it this way, ushers in the kingdom of God. 
Did you hear that? The deliverance ministry ushers in the kingdom of God. That's why Satan fights this ministry. That's why Satan has done everything he can to distort it, discredit it. Why? Because he knows that where the deliverance ministry is exercised on scriptural principles, there the kingdom of God is going to be manifested. Amen? Jesus was very plain. He said, if I, by the Spirit of God, cast out devils or demons, then, another one of the parallel passages says, no doubt, or doubtlessly, the kingdom of God is come unto you. Amen? Now, let's open to Revelation chapter 12. Uh, here in, in uh, Revelation chapter 12, in verse 10 it says, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come what? Salvation, which is the same word for deliverance. Now is come salvation and strength and what else? And the kingdom of God. Now is come the kingdom of God. When will the kingdom of God come? When will the kingdom of God be expressed, be manifested on earth? Well, we have to backtrack. We have to retrace our steps. And we'll find in verse, uh, the previous verse, verse 9, it says, And the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world, he was cast out from heaven into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. When will the kingdom of God come? When Satan is what? Cast out or cast down from his exalted position. When he is cast out of heaven, he is cast upon earth, then the kingdom of God is manifest. Did you realize that through the deliverance ministry, Satan's kingdom is not only shaken, but is, uh, is cast down to earth? Amen? Let's, let's go back to uh, Luke chapter 11. When you pray for a person that is under the control of evil spirits, that is obsessed or tormented or harassed, by evil spirits. The effect of your prayer is not going to only be felt in that individual. It's going to be felt where? In the heavenlies. Let's read here in Luke chapter 11. Excuse me. It's Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Jesus had sent his disciples, first the 12 and later the 70, on a foray. They had been sent to make the gospel of the kingdom uh, available to the people of Israel. They had been given power to heal the sick and power to deliver the oppressed. So after this journey, the Bible says in uh, Luke ten seventeen, and the seventy returned again with joy, saying, "Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through Thy name." They were excited because during this journey could have lasted a few days or several weeks. They had discovered that even evil spirits were subject to them. They submitted. They obeyed. They followed out their orders. They were subject to them in the name of Jesus. Now let's continue to read him. And it says, And he said unto them, verse 18, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Was he taking a, a backward glance? Was he looking into the primeval times? Was he seeing what had taken place way back in eternity past? The original fall when Satan was dethroned or Satan was expelled from heaven? No. He said, I beheld... As you were casting out devils, as they were being bound and they were being uh, submit, uh, subject, subjected to the name of Jesus Christ, as you exercised the deliverance ministry, things were t happening up in the heavenlies. Amen? Jesus had a vision. His eyes, his spiritual eyes were open to see that the powers of evil were literally being what? Cast down. Just notice what verse 18 says. I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. So let me tell you, brethren, if we want to see a full manifestation of the kingdom of God in our home or in our church or in our community, we're going to have to engage in the deliverance ministry. Amen? Through the deliverance ministry, the kingdom of God is ushered in. There are forces of evil that will... Uh, that's where my... I, I have problems uh, finding the right words in English. You can tell I was raised on the mission field. <laughs> but uh, for, uh, there are forces of evil that will um, hinder the manifestation of the kingdom unless they are confronted 
and unless they are defeated in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you our experience in Guatemala. In 1963, we had a retreat with a number of our pastors, about 25 or 30. Uh, none of them had received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And uh, we met to, to delve into the Word. We met to study the Scripture about the person and about the ministry of the Spirit. And uh, the very first night of that retreat, the Holy Spirit fell. And the Holy Spirit came into our midst. And pastors were, were anointed. Pastors were baptized. Pastors were filled with the Holy Spirit. On Wednesday, as we were having the morning service, we noticed a group of women arriving at the, uh, in, at the campgrounds where we were holding this retreat. No one had been invited. There had been no public announcement about the meetings. So we were surprised to see these women walking up the trip. They walked into the, the little the tabernacle where we were meeting, where we were studying. They sat at the back. And about halfway through the, the service, as the Word of God was being ministered in the power of the Spirit of God, one of the women went berserk, absolutely berserk. She went wild. She began to run and to scream. She began to bang her head against the, the walls. And uh, we had never seen anything like that before. Uh, we had never in our lives confronted a case of demon possession. Now, naturally, later on, looking back, we saw some people that acted funny, that would faint or would uh, create some kind of a turmoil or upheaval in the service, and we'd just carry them out bodily and throw them on the, out on the street. Uh, well, troublemakers, you know. Uh, later on, we knew what, what was happening, but really, we didn't know how to distinguish between a demon and a broomstick. But that day, when, when that girl went berserk and was cursing and screaming... We knew what was happening. So several of us converged to the place where she was and restrained her. And six strong men couldn't hold her down. She only weighs 97 pounds. She was weak. She was puny. We began a battle that lasted from Wednesday morning about 10 o'clock to Saturday morning about 10 o'clock. Day and night. And I tell you, it was a, it was a running battle. I mean, we, we took shifts. Every two hours we changed. And it was through, all day and all night uh, without... Rest or respite. Why? Because we've discerned that the outcome of, and the, of that battle was determinative. I mean, that the future of our work in Guatemala, in Central America, uh, depended on the outcome of that battle. Well, after the, the, the girl was delivered on Saturday, we discovered that she was the daughter of a witch doctor. And that her daughter, her father, who was one of the most renowned witch doctors in Guatemala City, had consecrated her to Satan. In fact, he had turned her over to Satan as, as payment for his magical powers. And this girl had been in and out hospitals and insane asylums. She was physically, morally, mentally a, a wreck, total wreck. And she was stashed full of demons. In fact, uh, the first day we lost track of how many we'd cast out, at least 400 or 430 the first day. And the battle went on from Wednesday through Thursday through Friday through Saturday, three days and three nights. There were demons there that could speak foreign languages, that could speak Indian dialects. There were demons that... She was just like uh, Grand Central Station. I mean, demons would come and demons would go. Suddenly a demon would start panting. And, Who are you? I'm so... Where do you come from? Oh, I'm over the, the, the Mardi Gras in New Orleans. And uh, I'm a spirit of voodoo. And, and they were just coming and, I mean, that was a crash training program. We, we were, we learned more in three days of spiritual battle than we could have learned for, in three years of seminary. That wouldn't be too hard, would it? But let me tell you, as a result of that deliverance, the kingdom of God came down into our midst. And a revival broke out that spread throughout Guatemala and all of Central America. That not only affected our work, that was influential, established a ministry called that out of revivals, some of the largest America. A deliverance will usher in what? The kingdom of God. And that's why Satan will resist it with all his power. Why? Because he knows that deliverance will do more damage to his kingdom than anything else that you know of. All these programs and parties that are being held in, in our churches today don't even make a dent in the kingdom of Satan. They just keep you occupied. They just keep you entertained. 
But deliverance will will bring the downfall of Satan so that the kingdom of God can blossom, so the kingdom of God can be manifested fully in our midst. Amen? Amen. Okay, and the second reason why I think deliverance is important is because through deliverance, the Great Commission is fulfilled. Amen? Let's go to Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. How many believe in the Great Commission? Jesus said, Go ye into all the world, preach the gospel, go and disciple all nations. Amen? And this has been done uh, to a certain extent for the last 150, 200 years. This has been the great missionary era. Missionaries have been sent throughout the world. Uh, thousands upon thousands of American missionaries have gone to the far-flung countries of the world. But let me tell you, brethren, out of the many, many multiplied thousands of missionaries, a very small percentage of them think about the doing. Amen? Maybe. And uh, because of that, their efforts on the mission field have been uh, very shallow and uh, very temporal. In many places, in spite of the great outlay of finance, very little has been accomplished. In spite of the, the fact that many of the missionaries are brilliant, they have the best training afforded, they're graduates of universities, graduates of seminaries. They've got titles. They've got degrees. They're skilled. And yet they've hardly made a dent in the culture, in the countries where they are serving Christ. Now here in Mark chapter 16, it says in verse 15, He said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Verse 17. And these signs shall follow whom? Naturally, those that go. Uh, these signs should be manifested more than uh, in those that go to the mission field than anybody else. It says, go, and these signs shall follow. Follow them that believe. And the first sign that is mentioned here is what? In my name shall they cast out them. See, the gospel will not be fully preached anywhere <coughs> in the world until God begins to work supernaturally by signs and by wonders. Amen? Deliverance validates the message. Amen? Here it says in Mark chapter 16, verse 20. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs. What? What signs? Deliverance, healing, etc., etc. Uh, the, divine, the, the divine seal of approval upon the message and upon the ministry was what? The deliverance ministry. God sanctioned that message. God confirmed that message. God validated that message with signs. And, and the first sign mentioned is deliverance. In my name, they will cast out death. It's no wonder, brethren, that in spite of, as I say before, the thousands of missionaries that have gone, the thousands and the millions of dollars that have been invested, very little has been accomplished in many of the countries of the world. Why? Because the people have heard a message, but they haven't seen the signs that are supposed to prove unmistakably that that message is true, that message is real, that message is a living reality. Amen? And I can tell you by personal experience as a missionary that one miracle will accomplish more than a hundred messages. When people are transformed, when people are liberated by the power of God, that will convince even the worst skeptic that Christ is alive, that Christ is at work in the world today. Amen? So, through the deliverance ministry, the Great Commission is fulfilled. And brethren, it will be a wonderful day when missionaries from all these denominational and non-denominational board, missionaries that are going with such a sacrificial spirit to many countries and many areas of the world, putting their life in jeopardy, willing to endure hardship for Jesus Christ, it would be a wonderful day when they understand the deliverance ministry and exercise it. Amen? Because then we'll see results as we have never seen them before. Let's go to Hebrews. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3, it says, How shall we escape if we neglect so great what? Salvation. The word salvation, brethren, is an all-comprehensive word. It includes not only salvation from sin, but from sickness and from Satan. So great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed. Notice the word confirmed, the same word that we find in Mark chapter 16, verse 20. Was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, God also bearing them witness, both with what? Signs. And what are the signs recorded in Mark 
chapter 16, verse 17 through verse 20. In my name, they will cast out devils. See, people need to hear the gospel both by word and deed. When Philip went down to Samaria, according to Acts chapter 8, he no doubt encountered a hostile crowd. The Samaritans hated the, the Jews. They had no dealings. Samaritan Jews just didn't uh, mix. Uh, the Jews avoided the Samaritans. The Jews hated the Samaritans. And yet when Philip went down to Samaria, notice what the Bible says here in Acts chapter 8. In verse 6 says, And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake. Unanimously, attentively, they listened to Philip. But why? Just keep on reading. Hearing and seeing the miracles which he did, for unclean spirits crying with loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them. Amen? Why were the people of Samaria convinced? Why did they so readily, so attentively listen to the gospel message? Why did they accept? Why did they believe? Why? Because they saw the power of God in operation. People that were demonized were set free. That city was stashed full of demon-possessed people. Simon the magician, the, the sorcerer, uh, had had a field day in that city. He had cast so many spells and curses and hexes on the people of Samaria that even from the least to the greatest were affected by them. And so when Philip began to preach the gospel in the power of the Spirit of God, demons began to react all over the place. They began to scream and they began to writhe. And as Philip ministered to the people in their needs, what happened? The people of Samaria turned to Christ. So many of them were converted that poor Simon went out of business. He lost his clientele. He had to <coughs> shut down his place of business. He had to sh shut down his witchcraft or spiritualist center. In fact, he decided he was going to jump on the bandwagon. He was going to join the crowd. He was going to, he was going to, so he faked. He pretended to make a profession of faith in Jesus Christ. But the important fact is this. Samaria accepted the gospel by the lips of a Jew. Why? Because they saw the gospel, the power of God manifested miraculously, miraculously in deliverances and healings. Amen? Did you know that deliverance is a miracle? That's what it says here. Right there in verse 6, it says, Hearing and seeing the miracles which he did, for unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many that were possessed with him. Do you want to see a miracle? Many people have said, said to me, Oh, Brother Paris, I wished I could see a miracle. I'd just give anything to see a miracle. Well, every time a person is delivered of demon spirits, a miracle takes place. Amen? Remember when the disciples came complaining to Jesus that they had seen a man out there on his own casting out devils in his name? They said, Jesus, why don't you restrain him? Why don't you forbid him? And Jesus said, no one can... Do a miracle in my name if he's not with me. Amen? Deliverance is what? A miracle. And when you begin to cast out devils in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, miracles begin to happen all over the place. And that will convince even those that are indifferent. That will convince even those that are opposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why deliverance is tied in, closely tied in with the Great Commission. The Great Commission can never be fully, let's choose it this way, fulfilled until those evangelists and those missionaries that are going around the world go and practice the deliverance ministry so people can be convinced of the validity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? Okay. The third reason why the deliverance ministry is important to me is because through the deliverance ministry, redemption. Is applied to the whole man. Amen? Tonight we sang several choruses, several hymns about the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood symbolizes redemption. We are redeemed by the blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. I mean, there's one thing that symbolizes redemption more than any other, and that is the blood of Jesus Christ. There in, uh, in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, it says, And they, the brethren, overcame him, overcame Satan and his angels. How? By the blood of the Lamb. By applying the blood of the Lamb to that particular situation. That proves the effectiveness. That proves 
the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, why is the blood of Jesus Christ so powerful? See, let's read in Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. In what? Where did Jesus triumph over Satan? Well, the previous verse, verse 14, the last word of verse 14, it says cross, nailing it to his cross. And then it goes on to say that on the cross he spoiled them. On the cross he, let's use this word, embarrassed them, made a show of them openly. And on the cross he defeated them. Amen? So the cross symbolizes more than anything else the defeat and destruction of Satan. The, the, the blood represents his sacrifice on the cross. And it was at the cross that Jesus spoiled them and defeated them uh, completely. And that's why, brethren, when we claim the blood of Jesus, we apply the blood of Jesus, Satan trembles in his boots. Because every time we say the blood of Jesus, we are reminding him of that awful fact of the time and the place where he was completely what? Spoiled and embarrassed and defeated. Amen? All right, let's go to 1 Corinthians. See, through deliverance, we make redemption real to people. We are applying it. The, the redemptive work of Jesus Christ becomes an experience to people. Okay, here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, let's read verse 7 and 8. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. Amen? Now, who are the princes of the world that are mentioned here in verse 8? Verse eight? Were they human beings or were they demon spirits? Remember in John chapter uh, 10, 12, 14, Jesus three times refers to Satan as the prince of this world. Amen? And there in Ephesians chapter 6, in that great chapter on spiritual warfare, says that we do not contend, we do not wrestle with flesh and blood, but with what? Principalities and power. We, we are contending constantly with the princes of this world. We could go to Daniel, where it talks about the prince of Persia, and it talks about the prince of Greece. Talks about the ruling spirits, the spirits that rule over areas and over nations of the world. Amen? Now, here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and in verse 8, it says that if the princes of this world would have understood the, the wisdom of God, they would have never crucified Christ. It was their undoing. See, I've, I've had demons confess to me in their, in their madness that they killed God on the cross. Hmm. Uh, actually, when, when Christ was on the cross, Satan, by snuffing out his life, thought that he was not only defeating God, but actually killing God. Amen? But it, what he didn't understand was that the cross was a trap. How many have seen a mouse trap? Now, if you, wanna, if you have a mouse in your house and you want to catch him, you set a trap. And what do you set on the trap? Uh, some morsel of food, something... Dainty, something that, well, cheese. You don't put a, put, put a rock in the trap or a, or a piece of, of wood or a piece of glass. You put something that has, uh, that appeals to that mouse. Amen? Cheese or meat or bread or something that will catch his attention. So when the mouse sees that piece of chunk of cheese on the trap, he doesn't see the trap. He, he's blinded to the fact that that cheese is part of a, of a trap. So he rushes towards the cheese. He, what do you say? He puts his, sinks his teeth into that piece of cheese. And what happens at that moment? The trap is sprung. Trap falls on him and blows his brains out. He's not only stunned, he's not only paralyzed, most of the time he's what? Kicked, killed. Now the cross was a trap. And well, who, who was the morsel? Who was the, Jesus Christ. God, Christ was crucified on the cross, and when Satan saw Jesus there powerless, what did he do? He rushed at him. In his blind rage, in his madness, he rushed at Jesus Christ. You know that when the day that Jesus Christ died on the cross for three hours, the whole city and countryside around Jerusalem was what? 
darken. Why do you think? Was, was that a natural phenomenon? Was that a, some kind of solar eclipse? Why was it darkened? Jesus said, now is the hour of what? Of the power of darkness. All the demons are in the universe concentrated, convened around the cross. And the, the demonic forces were so thick that even darkened the heavens. See, they came at, at Jesus and they just wanted to smother his life out. Amen? Well, the Bible says that the sin of the whole world was placed on Jesus. And when the sin of the whole world was placed on Jesus, what happened at that time? The wrath of God fell. But it fell upon whom? Who do you think got the brunt of it? Satan. Now, I'm not going to go into all the mystery of the cross. We don't have time to discuss all these details tonight. But the important thing was that Satan did not understand the implications. If he would have understood what was going to happen to him on the cross, he would have avoided, by all means and methods available to him, that encounter. The Bible says that the prince of this world would have not crucified the Lord of glory. Amen? That's why, notice the word wisdom there in verse 7. But we speak the wisdom of God. Now let's go back to chapter 1. It says, verse 23, But we preach Christ crucified under the Jews a stumbling block and under the Greeks foolishness, but unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks Christ the power of God. And what else? Now, Christ crucified is the wisdom of God. All God's wisdom is encompassed in the cross. The cross was the was the most, uh, the greatest expression of God's wisdom. It was a mystery that Satan, in spite of his brilliant mind, that naturally has been a mind that perverted and distorted through sin, but could not understand what the cross meant. But that's why, let's go to Ephesians chapter 3. Chapter 3, yes. Christ's death on the cross, through the shedding of his blood, they have been what? Spoiled? They have been what? Shamed, they have been what? Defeated. Amen? See, that's redemption. We apply redemption. And um, let me tell you, brethren, no man, no woman really experiences redemption in its, the fullest sense until he experiences deliverance. Amen? Deliverance is part of that great salvation. And if you haven't experienced re- deliverance, you have experienced And let me say it carefully, you've experienced a partial salvation, not a total salvation. Amen? I'm not, by saying that, I'm not doubting your salvation. I'm not doubting that you're saved from the guilt of sin or from the penalty of sin. But salvation in the fullest sense of the word includes what? Deliverance. By by exercising the deliverance ministry, we are applying to every individual the redemptive work of Christ that was fulfilled on the cross of Calvary by the shedding of his blood. Amen? Now, there's another reason why I think deliverance is important, brethren, and that is because deliverance is part of the process of sanctification. Amen? I think there's been a a terrible lack of teaching in charismatic circles, even Pentecostal circles, on holiness. And... uh, there's been so much contention about on the subject of holiness that many of us of the preachers have, have preferred to avoid the subject altogether. There's so many different in viewpoints. There's so many different interpretations that many have just preferred to set that subject aside and not even uh, bother with it. But let's go to Second Corinthians chapter seven. Having therefore these promises. Dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves. Whose responsibility? Ours. We are to cleanse ourselves of what? From all filthiness, from all contamination of what? Of flesh and spirit. It doesn't say filthiness in the flesh and in the spirit. It says filthiness of flesh and spirit. What are the two things that contaminate our spirit? The flesh and evil spirits. I believe when it talks there about being cleansed of all filthiness of spirit is referring to all filthiness that has impregnated our being by the presence and by the operation of evil spirits in our lives. Amen? Now let's finish the verse. It says that when we do this, we are perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. See, holiness, we could put it this way, is a process. I and perhaps there's some, a few here 
tonight that come from a holiness background that believe that uh, uh, you can be sanctified to the point that your uh, fallen nature is eradicated, wiped out completely. And some might even believe in sinless perfection. But here the Bible says that as we are cleansed of all filthiness of flesh and of spirit, then holiness is being what? Perfected in us as we walk in the fear of the Lord. Amen? I believe that deliverance is a part of the process of sanctification. We have two main enemies we have to contend with as Christians, two enemies that can operate inside of us. The first is what? The flesh. And the second is demon spirit. Now, the remedy for the flesh is not the same remedy for evil spirits and vice versa. I wish we could cast the old man out. Huh? How many wish you could? I wish we could get rid of the flesh once and for all. I wish we could. Uh, the, old, the, the fallen nature, the depraved nature within us could be eradicated to the point that we'd never be bothered with it again during the rest of our lives. But brethren, the remedy for the flesh is, one, uh, is different than the remedy for demon spirits. The flesh must be dealt with through crucifixion. You can read Romans 6 on that subject. Uh, we must reckon ourselves dead. Uh, we must, by an act of faith and will, recognize that we have been, that our old man was crucified with Christ. And as we apply redemption in that area of our life, we are being cleansed of the filthiness of the flesh. But then we must also be cleansed of the filthiness of spirit. The spirit, what do the spirits do? They contaminate. They corrupt. For example, here, when it says in chapter 7, it says, let us cleanse ourselves. What is he referring to himself as? Go back to chapter 6, verse 16. It says, for ye are the temple of the living God. We as temples of the living God can be defiled. We can be contaminated. How? By permitting evil spirits to enter and operate in our lives. Amen? And the Bible says that if we want to perfect holiness, we must cleanse ourselves of that contamination, of that filthiness. The temple of God must be cleansed out of all evil spirits. Amen? That's why I say that in deliverance is important, brethren, because uh, no one is going to enter into a uh, sanctification experience unless he goes through deliverance. Amen? I'm not getting too much response. Maybe, maybe I'm not able to explain fully what I, what I want to say. But I believe that deliverance is important in order for us to begin to live the kind of life that God wants us to live. God said, told, uh, says in his word that we must be holy as he is holy. And as long as there are evil spirits operating in our lives, we cannot be holy because those evil spirits will tempt us. Those evil spirits will weaken our determination. Those evil spirits will corrupt our nature. Those evil spirits will taint us to the point that we won't be able to live a life that is pleasing to God. Let me tell you here and now that I believe every Christian should go through deliverance. And I'm not being fanatical by saying that. Uh, I, I, by that, I'm not going to say that every Christian has demons. It might be so. could be so. But I believe that every Christian should go through deliverance just in case. Amen? <laughs> if you go through deliverance and you, and you discover that you don't have any demons, that will uh, give you a great deal of assurance. But if you go through deliverance and you discover that you've had some evil spirits that have entered your life through various avenues, by inheritance or by... Uh, personal involvement in the occult or by sin or by whatever it might be, uh, and you go through deliverance, you discover that you, you get rid of them, and then what? The process of sanctification is accelerated in you. Amen? You grow faster. You go, uh, uh, your Christian life is heightened as you enter into an experience with Christ through deliverance. Amen? But there's another reason, and this is the final one I'm going to give you why I think that deliverance is important, because I believe that the church of Jesus Christ is prepared for the second coming through the deliverance ministry. Deliverance is intimately linked with the end time. Did you know that? It's just been in the last 20, 25 years that the deliverance ministry has been rediscovered. 
before that, oh, you'd hear of an isolated case. Somebody in Africa or somebody in China that faced a case of deliverance or, you know, had to deal with somebody that was demon-possessed. But deliverance has become a ministry just in recent years. And why? Because as the time of uh, Christ's return approaches, I believe that the deliverance ministry will become more and more important. The church is going to be prepared through the deliverance ministry. Amen? Let me just give you a bigger pardon. Yes. Get rid of some of the spots and wrinkles. Let's look in the book of Daniel, chapter 12. Chapter 12, verse 1, and it says, And at that time shall Michael stand up. Who's Michael? He's an archangel. The only archangel that is mentioned by name in the Bible. And Michael has a very important part to play in the end times. Amen? And it says he will stand up. What does that mean? That he's been sitting down. He's been in, in, a, in an ad, a posture of what? Of rest. We could say of inactivity. But the day will come, or the day has come, when Michael will stand up and enter into battle. Amen? And the Bible says, The great prince would stand up for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there, since there was a nation even to that same time. What is it talking about there? Time of trouble? Jacob's trouble? Tribulation? Amen? Is that what it's talking about? Now, I don't know what your views are on the, on the tribulation, on the millennium. That is immaterial tonight. But the important thing is, pre, prior to the coming of Christ, there will be a time of what? Of trouble as has never been seen, seen before. Well, this time, is, this time of trouble is already, is already taking place in many parts of the world. Amen? Not in America. America has been fortunate. America has been spared the horrors of uh, war and tribulation. But we don't have a guarantee that it, the time isn't coming. It might be coming sooner than we expect. Okay? Then it says, And at that time, the end time, thy people shall be delivered. Everyone that shall be found written in the book. What book is it referring to? The book of life. Remember, even in Luke chapter 10, when the disciples came back so excited about the deliverance ministry that uh, they'd been able to uh, engage in, Jesus said, don't uh, rejoice so much that the demons are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written where? In the Lamb's Book of Life. Now, here, this book is the Lamb's Book of, of Life, and it says that everyone whose name is written in that book shall be what? Delivered. And I believe it means delivered from everything that hinders, everything that contaminates. We'll be delivered from the power of sin. We'll be delivered from sickness. But let me tell you, we'll be delivered also from what? Any spirit that might be operating in our life, harassing us, oppressing us, deceiving us, etc., etc. Amen? Everyone, in that case, you can't be any plainer than that. Everyone whose name is written in the book, Lamb's Book of Life shall be delivered. See, that's why deliverance has to become much more widespread than it is today. Deliverance must invade even charismatic churches and Full fundamental churches. It must invade uh, the, the, the church of Jesus Christ worldwide. Because as the church approaches the coming of Christ, God wants his people to be set free from anything that entangles or anything that contaminates. Amen? And um, I, I don't have time tonight to go into Romans chapter 8, but, but you know in Romans chapter 8 it talks about deliverance not only of the church but of creation. Amen? Now, how is creation going to be set free? Through the church. But how can we set people free, uh, people free or nature free unless we first have been set free? Amen? And here in Romans chapter 8, it talks about the glorious... It here, uh, let me give you the verses. In verse 19, about the manifestation of the sons of God. And then in verse 21, it says, Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the what? Glorious liberty of whom? Of the sons of God. See, the, first the church must be delivered so that the church can be an instrument, can be a channel, can be a blessing, uh, a vessel in God's hand for the deliverance of what? Of creation. Amen? Many people think that, well, when Jesus comes automatically, creation will be delivered from bondage of corruption. 
And it's not so, my dear brethren. God is going to prepare a group of men and women worldwide, a generation of Christians, the redeemed, the elect, the overcomers, that are going to be the instruments in God's hands to set creation free from the bondage of corruption. Amen? But we, we must, but what Peter said here in Acts chapter 3 must first become an experience in us. When that man that was lame, that was crippled, asked for alms, what did Peter say to him? Neither silver nor gold have I. Amen? But such as I have, I give unto thee. We cannot give something that we don't have. Freely have ye first received. Now freely what? Give. You can't be an effective instrument in deliverance until you first have experienced deliverance yourself. I've seen people that have gone through deliverance that that try to engage in deliverance ministry and they have an awful time because the demons uh, can even come back at them. The demons even can accuse them. I've, I've heard demons say somebody, how dare you rebuke me? I'm in you too. And sometimes they're lying, but sometimes they're what? Telling the truth. And when the person hears, when the demons say that, I'm in you too, they seem to lose all their spiritual powers drained out of them. Before too long, they sneak away. They give up. And I believe, brethren, that if we want to be effective, I'm not going to say we're not going to be able to be of some help, some value in the learning ministry, but if we want to be effective in setting people free, we must first what? Be free. Amen. The Bible says that Jesus said, The prince of this world cometh against me, but he findeth nothing in me. That's why Jesus was so effective in defeating Satan, because there's no point of contact. There is no demonic element in him. He had been, he had kept himself free from any demonic influence or power. So that when he confronted Satan, he was uh, 100% effective. Amen? That's why I believe there's a close connection between the end times and deliverance, between the coming of Christ and deliverance. Deliverance is one of the means that God is going to use mightily to prepare the church for the coming of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? And because of these reasons I mentioned tonight, and this is the first time I've ever spoken on this subject, the importance of deliverance. The Lord just gave me these words this afternoon, this evening, before I came up. But the reason why Satan fights deliverance tooth and nail is because he knows, even if our theologians don't know it, and even if our ministers don't know it, he knows that deliverance is the means that God is going to use to destroy the kingdom of Satan in our midst. Amen? And that's why Satan will do everything to distort this ministry and construe this ministry and just make us go off you know, on a tangent, on a limb, because he knows that if we exercise this ministry sanely, properly, on a sound biblical foundation, we will be invincible in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? We'll go through trials. We'll go through battles. But we'll have enough understanding, enough discernment about spiritual principles that we'll be able to contend with Satan and come out on top always. Amen? How many believe deliverance is important? Brethren, it's more important than we realize. We've just scratched the surface. We've just touched upon this subject. Don't don't think that deliverance is something, well, secondary, like some try to, to pretend. The deliverance today is of primary importance, because through deliverance, we're going to see some mighty things accomplished in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I've come across some people who believe in sonship. Some people that believe in uh, the manifestation of the sons of God that don't believe in deliverance. I can't understand how they they they, they can uh, believe in sonship without believing in deliverance. In fact, I've heard some of the leaders of the sonship movement minimize deliverance. Talk about deliverance if it's if it's child play. Talk about deliverance as if it's some of the first elements of the truth. Talk about deliverance as if it's something that they've uh, what we grown out of. No? That, they, that they're, they're so high and so mighty in spiritual matters that they don't fool around with demons anymore. Huh? Really? That's sad. You even have to say it publicly. Brethren, deliverance is very important. It's not 
the whole gospel. But it's one of the most important elements of the gospel. Amen? And if we want to see our spiritual life develop, if we want to see the kingdom of God manifested in our homes and in our churches and in our community, if we want to be prepared for the coming of Christ whenever it might happen, before, during, or after the tribulation, let's give deliverance the place that the word of God gives. Amen? Did you know that Jesus spent nearly half of his time in, in deliverance? You read the Gospels. Perhaps there is nothing that he, uh, use this word, indulged in as much as he did in the deliverance ministry. Why? Because he realized that deliverance is the means by which the Gospel of Jesus Christ will become reality, a reality to lost humanity. Praise God. How many benefit by this teaching tonight? I hope you go home after this camp meeting convinced. If you've brought your doubts and your fears and your reservations, I hope you shed them during this camp meeting. Amen? And you'll go back convinced that deliverance is very important in the plans and purposes of God. And go back and begin to, to use it, exercise it, because God can use you as an instrument. Amen? You become, can become one of the saviors on Mount Sinai, one of the deliverers that God is raising up to set his people free for the coming of Jesus Christ. I think it would be good tonight if we would just uh, finish this meeting in the time of prayer. Amen? I, I, this, after, this morning, this afternoon, you have personal ministry. Why don't we just all come forward and gather around the altar and ask God to anoint us and ask God to equip us and ask God to prepare us for the kind of ministry he wants manifested in the world in these end times. Amen? The devil's put you down so long, you don't, many of you think you're worthless. That you can't do anything, that you, there's nothing in you that will be of any value to the kingdom of God. Let's just stand. Let's just stand. I think we can stand and hold hands and agree in prayer that out of this camp meeting, out of these series of meetings here in Lake Hamilton, uh, right at the close of 1981, God will raise up a band of men and women that will fan out through the country. Amen? And begin to set people free. Begin to set nature free. And begin to manifest the power of God on a daily basis. Amen? How many would love to be used by God in the deliverance ministry? Well, if that's the desire of your heart, the Bible says that God's going to grant you the, the desires and the petitions of your heart. And as a result of this encounter with Christ here in Lake Hamilton these days, you can go back into your fellowship, you can go back into your communities and be used of a, as an instrument of God in deliverance. Amen? No discharge. God die with your boots on. Join together in a mighty prayer, amen, that God will equip us, will give us the spiritual knowledge and spiritual discernment and spiritual experience and spiritual weaponry that we need to be effective soldiers of Jesus Christ. Okay, okay, let's join hands right now and raise them to heaven. And let's all launch out in a prayer of intercession. Let's claim what we've already talked about tonight. Let's believe God that he's going to use us that he's going to use us as instruments in his hands for the deliverance of America, for the deliverance of the world, for the deliverance of people everywhere, that they might come to experience the great, mighty power of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you. We praise you. Because right in this place tonight, you're laying your hand upon men and women, young and old. You're setting them aside for service. You're preparing them, Lord, to become soldiers of the cross of Jesus Christ. You're making them able soldiers. You're equipping them with the knowledge and experience and the discernment and the weaponry. They need the Lord and God to become deliverers on Mount Sinai. Lord, make us serious minds. Let us believe from the bottom of our hearts that this is true, that it can become a reality in our lives. Yes, God. Touch each and every life here tonight. Put your seal of approval upon them. That the anointing of the Spirit of God might flow through their lives, through their mouths. That people everywhere will be blessed as a result of these meetings that are being held here in Lake Hamilton. We thank you, we praise you, Lord. Because we know it is happening right now. Yes, it's happening right now in the name of Jesus. Touch them, Lord. Touch them, Lord, tonight with your mighty power, Lord. Make them an instrument of your blessing to a world that is dying without hope, without peace. In the name of Jesus, 
Yes, that the power of God will flow through this life right now. Hallelujah. 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 We bless you, Father. We thank you. Thank you, Lord and Savior. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. How many say glory to God? Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise the name of the Lord. I don't know of anything to add to, except that God's raising up an army and we're part of the army. Amen. I hope that all of you here are here because you want to learn and have a knowledge and understanding of the ministry of the Lord that he's raising up in this hour to set the captives free and, uh, and to bring deliverance to creation. Amen. All creation groans. And there's no other way to bring deliverance to creation except through deliverance. That's, that, that, that's God's plan. That's his way. This is the end of this message. Our website is www.lakehamiltonbiblecamp.com and lhbconline.com. There are many free audio files there. It's like going to Bible school at home. Thank you.